Welcome to Inside Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Inside Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. When it comes to improving patient care, Social Determinants of Health, or SDOH, solutions continue to be top of mind as the pandemic continues to grip the world. Healthcare organizations all over the U.S. continue to grapple with ways to extend the care of patients beyond the walls of clinics and hospitals. On this episode, we hear from Matt Sabatino, Managing Director in LEK Consulting's Healthcare Services Practice. He provides insights on what has happened with SDOH services during the pandemic and what the outlook is for the future. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Please introduce yourself and tell us about the area that you specialize in. I'm Matt Sabatino. I'm a partner and managing director at LEK Consulting. I work out of our New York office, been here about 10 years, and I specialize in the area of, of healthcare services. So I work with health plans of various shapes and sizes, provider organizations of various shapes and sizes, and also vendors that service payers and providers. Thank you, Matt. We look forward to your insights. So tell us, in regard to patient care, why has SDOH been so widely talked about? And how has healthcare addressed it? It has become, SDOH, that is, has become a hot topic, and it has been for, for quite some time. We've been doing work in the space since uh, I joined the firm and, and from before. It's an important discussion topic because the science and the evidence points to social determinants of health, so nutrition, transportation, housing, mental health, behavioral health, employment. Etc. They all influence, and the environment in which people live, all influence their health and well-being, which then influences how they use medical services and utilize medical services. So we traditionally think of health and well-being as being, are you sick or you're not sick? And when you get sick, the doctor or the clinician comes in and figures out what's wrong, and then they figure out what the symptoms are, and they try and address the symptoms and treat whatever they think the condition is. Social determinants takes it one or two steps back before someone may get sick with a specific condition and says, well, this person may not have stable housing, this person may not be eating right, etc. So let's try to address those problems or issues early so that we can then hopefully re make the person healthier, also probably happier, and therefore ultimately reduce their downstream utilization of healthcare services like I'm I mean I have adequate housing and I'm hungry and I'm cold so I'm going to I'm going to walk into the local ER because I know they're going to have to check me in and check me out and I'll be warm for a little bit they'll give me a cup of soup and it'll get me off the streets for 12 hours or or what have you so if we had addressed that person's need for housing and for nutrition they wouldn't wander into the emergency room and and we all know emergency room care, although it's vital, it's a very expensive care setting relative to, to basically every other setting. So that's an example of why SDOH, social determinants of health, has become an important topic because health plans, payers, and also 
providers, the folks who actually deliver the care, all understand there are all these other factors that influence a person's health well before they actually get sick. And if you don't address those factors, it's likely that the patient or the person, if you will, is going to utilize healthcare services more than they would have otherwise. It's also about just making people healthy and and happy and 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 feel like they're living they're living um a good life if you will typically if if community-based organizations or a provider or a health plan or or some organization in some way takes steps to address social determinants again it should downstream and in the long term reduce the utilization of of more expensive medical services down the road, which would stack up into an, an aggregate savings in total cost of care for that person in the long run. And that's really what drives a lot of the activity and investment in the space. I mean, there, there's also a certain extent where the state departments of health and human services and the agencies that run Medicaid are requiring that social determinant support services and, and delivery capabilities be built into the managed Medicaid offerings. So it's coming from the customer, if you will, right? Because the states actually pay for Medicaid, either through fever service or through a managed care contract with a health plan or a payer like a Centene or a Molina or United Healthcare. So there's there's a bit of a pull from the customer, if you will, the the true payer, but there's also a bit of a push from the health plans that do this, and that's and that's to do as I was describing earlier: keep folks out of the emergency room, keep folks from developing chronic conditions, or allowing chronic conditions to get out of control, and therefore create a lot of downstream medical utilization and medical cost. Hey, Matt, has the pandemic created an additional need for SDOH services, and if so, for whom? I mean, a number of folks, obviously, in particular last year, well, 2020, actually, two years ago now. Time flies lost their jobs and they may have had a good job and had employer-sponsored health insurance and they may have lost that. They may have been pushed into either the uninsured roles or perhaps into Medicaid or perhaps into the individual ACA exchanges. So with loss of work comes needs that may arise around housing and nutrition and, and searching for employment, et cetera. So for sure, the economic impacts of the pandemic created needs for social determinant of health supports. I think the the medical side of the disease uh, and the the controls that were put in place to help try and mitigate the rate of spread have also created needs around social determinants of health because there may have been folks coming in and out of the house to help John or Jane with the dishes or the laundry or to drop off food. Etc. And I think folks obviously got really reluctant to allow those sorts of those visits, or they may not have been able to help out anymore. So there's that angle as well. And then I think a big a big consideration as well is the behavioral health component of it. The isolation created a lot of demand for for mental health services as well. And I think that was across need areas. And the community based organizations that we work with have said, you know, they they have seen a lot of demand for their services and they're they're struggling to keep up. There's a bit of a, a shortage of their capacity and, and too much demand around need for services. Hmm, understood. Now, earlier you mentioned patient banking challenges and changes in insurance in the pandemic. So what can the healthcare industry do to meet these challenges? 
banking is a really interesting one, and I think it's one that often gets missed. We, oft we often hear about housing, again, because that is just a major influence on total health and well-being. Nutrition is another one. Often hear about transportation. Can this person get to and from a doctor's appointment or to or from a job or to or from a job interview? You hear about job placement, obviously, because um, economic stability has a big influence on total health and well-being as well. But banking often gets forgotten, and I think it's an interesting one because folks who are, for whatever reason, uncomfortable with the traditional banking system or afraid to use it for whatever reason, they often get pushed into the payday loan banking cycle, which is... I'm sure many of you are familiar with, but it's just, it's usurious, right? It's, it's just puts people in a pattern of they can never get out from under again, to use a colloquialism around, around that. It's, uh, it's just, it's tough and we don't hear about it very often. So there is a need there. Um, it's a bit, it's a tough problem to solve for because by definition, often the folks who, need support with SDOH and who are underbanked also don't have a lot of assets. So it's they're not the most attractive banking population for the commercial banks to go after uh, or the retail banks to go after. <clears throat> so it perpetuates this not comfortable with the system, not using the system, not building up credit. So I can't take a loan even though I may be credit worthy, but I have no credit history. Or if I do need money, I'm taking these payday loans, and that's just a, a downward spiral that's difficult to extricate yourself out of. What we've seen done, we, we've seen some health plans try and create some sort of bankable, almost like a bankable debit card that they issue as part of their their health plan. That Sometimes it starts out as, a, as an incentive card where if you get your flu shot or you get this diagnostic test taken care of, you get... A few extra dollars in your flexible spending account or some sort of other incentive whatever the incentive program is that the health plan sets up but it's few and far between where they take it to the point of some bankable card where their members the health plan members can actually store money and build some sort of credit history and and earn some some level of interest so i i um this one it's a bit of a passion of mine it's a tough one to solve for I hope at some point the the large retail banks get some sense of res responsibility to to try and help solve for this as well. But it it is, in fairness to them, they have to run a business, right? Most of them are publicly traded, the large retail banks, and so they have a fiduciary responsibility. And it, it it's a bit of a tough tough problem to work out from from everyone's angle, but it does create stress as well for people. I know I would be stressed out if I had all my money under my mattress. Absolutely. Point well taken. Matt, finally, how can healthcare providers or technology companies innovate in this space? Can you give us your advice? It's tough. It's a tough question. It's a tough problem to solve for. Again, I go back, not to repeat myself, but I go back to oftentimes the populations that need this sort of help, they don't have a lot of disposable income or, or assets to to put to work to help solve them. So it's we're trying to tackle this from a business perspective to get to return on investment and profit and all those 
business metrics that we have to strive for to make something a going concern. At times, it's difficult to get all of that to pencil out. I do think the use of technology, because it oftentimes, most times, is supposed to create efficiencies in delivering things, is an interesting angle to this. There are a number of companies that are out there today, like Healthify and Signify, etc., and Bertha, which just rebranded to find help or some such. They've created a business model where what they offer, what they do is build networks of community-based organizations that provide a lot of these services, these these SDOH services, SDOH services to the community. Most of the community-based organizations are funded by by charity or, or grants, etc. So the that helps solve for a lot of the typical business constraints when trying to build one of these delivery organizations from scratch. So what the technology solutions like Healthify or Signify have done is they've or unite us, they've built networks of these CBOs and they build a platform that basically connects member slash patient to health plan to community based organization to help help care managers make those connections and get members or patients who need certain community-based organization support referrals. And some of them are striving to create what are called closed-loop referrals, where the referral actually gets tracked through to make sure that the patient who needs the help actually gets the help. So there are already businesses that are technology-enabled doing that. I think where there are some unmet needs on the technology side that are interesting, that could be solved for and would be viable businesses are around risk stratification of populations so that the health plans or if you're an at-risk provider that has a population to manage can proactively identify patients or members who very likely have a social determinant of health need and make those connections proactively, reach out, have a case manager, care manager, reach out, see how that person's doing and try and see, do assessments and, and get that person connected to help sooner rather than later. Rather than late, rather than waiting for a claim to come in where the person is utilizing care for X, Y, and Z reason, and then those connections to SDOH, community-based organization, service organizations are, are being made. So I think predictive analytics and risk stratification is a big area of unmet need. And the other one is that pops out is around the closed-loop piece of it. A lot of the technologies that are out there today are still trying to figure out how to have those closed loop referrals. Again, that's tracking the referral all the way through to make sure that if Matt's recommended to get some assistance with nutrition or housing or activities of daily living, that Matt actually does get that help in the end. It's one thing to tell Matt he needs help. It's another thing to make sure Matt actually gets it. Matt, thank you so much for your professionalism and sharing your insights with us. Matt, any closing thoughts you'd like to share with us? One key takeaway is to, when we think about these things, always remember it's about human beings. We're trying to help people who need help so that, again, they could be healthy and feel a sense of well-being and feel like they have a sense of self-worth and opportunity. And so it's, it's easy to talk about technology and cost savings and what can health plans do, what can at-risk provider organizations do. But let's always, and how do we make it a, a viable business? But let's bring it back to what this is all really about. It's human beings and human beings living their best life, if you will. 
and I think there are ways I think there are ways that we can help those folks and get them what they need. We just have to be we have to be creative and we have to leverage the data and information that's out there so that we can make informed decisions. That's why I'm a believer in the analytics, the predictive analytics, the closed loop referrals, because those are things that leverage information, data, and technology that, again, should enable us to, to scale solutions and be efficient while still having an impact so we can help folks. Why we as LEK are well-positioned to help different organizations think this through is we've been working in this space for a long, long time, and we come at it through different lenses. We've worked on this with provider systems. We've worked on this with health plans slash payers. We've worked on this with technology vendors. So we've tried to help large organizations develop their own technology around this SDOH need set. So we have a lot of experience, a lot of experience from different angles. We know what works and what doesn't work and what the challenges are and where the levers are that enable value to be created. So we've we've taken some bumps and bruises along the way when working with different organizations and that just enables us to come in and and save other clients those those scratches and scars. Good stuff. Matt, we really appreciate your insights and your professionalism. Thank you so much again. That's my pleasure. Always happy to talk about this. This is it's a hard problem to tackle for the reasons I talked about, which is mostly around economics, making economics work. But I think it's one we need to tackle because people deserve it. And it does create it does create net savings for society in the long run. So it goes to show you it may not be a direct relationship there, but it goes to there's probably something to that. And it goes to show you if if you invest up front, you'll end up saving in the in in the downstream medical expenses and again hopefully people are healthier feel better and have a shot at being a more productive member of society which is what we're all supposed to be in theory at least in my view striving to to provide absolutely yeah we forget that right it's about it's about people and giving people a shot who need who need a little bit of support and it's a lot of there's a lot of money and programs out there. We just have to help people navigate all of it because it's not it's not an easy thing to navigate. This was Matt Sabatino. It was my pleasure to share my my thoughts. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope to connect with some of you soon. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.